Hello, you're listening to Sexual Transmissions with me, Esther, and sexual health doctors, Jar Jar and Frankie. Have you ever thought of going for a sexual health checkup, but were too embarrassed at what they might ask? Are your sexual fantasies very different to your sexual reality? Have you had your fill of pterodactyl porn and you're wondering where to go next? Whether you're a sexual novice or seasoned in the sheets, this is a chance to talk about sex and to think about pleasurable, safe ways of having sex that will help protect your body and your mind. From testing to infections, sex-positive mentality to gender identity, chemsex to fetish, each week we'll talk about a different aspect of sex, sexual health and well-being. We're all thinking about sex, so let's talk about it. Welcome to Sexual Transmissions. tuned in to sexual transmissions your very own sexual health show where sexual health experts jar jar hey there and frankie hi give me esther the sexual 411 because dear listeners i have a lot to learn many have said that my interviewing style is a cross between Anne robinson and jeremy paxman i grill and i drill (laughs) wouldn't you agree (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the laughter suggests that that's true um i was actually thinking um that we could have a segment called the weakest kink on this show which i thought could be just a bit of fun so welcome to um listeners that have joined us before and anyone that's that's new sexual transmissions it's a pleasure to pleasure to have you never a chore this week a little bit different we're going to be focusing on a specific body part shrouded in mystery. So um, in this episode, we're going to be talking all about the big V, not Velcro, no, um, the vagina. So it's the entry point for all life, sure, often hidden in mystery and some taboo. Um, we'll chat about why this is um, and how to really look after your vagina. You know, what, is, what does good look like? Um, what does normal look like? We'll talk about it all. But I think before we get into that, Jar Jar and Frankie, as we're going to be focusing on a specific part of the body, and given your knowledge into the body, I wanted to ask you what your favourite body part is and why. Jar Jar, do you want to kick us off? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, is this, can, I, can I just ask a clarifying question? Is this like my favourite body part in general because of what it does, or on me, or on other people? Because it makes a little bit of a difference, <laughs> depending on <laughs> what you're asking. certainly does. <laughs> um, I think... What I want to know is both. <laughs> and I think the listeners would agree. Okay. So I guess I will start with other people because I think that's easier. Oh, I'm going to be really stereotypical here, but I really, really love eyes. When someone has, when someone really communicates with their eyes, it's very, yeah, you, you really feel like you're connecting with another person, you know, whether that's with a friend or with, a partner or, or romance, I feel like, you know, the eyes really do, they're the windows of the soul, as some might say. And I think I really appreciate it when someone has really um, expressive and beautiful eyes. So yeah, uh, on my So lovely, I was <laughs> silenced by my, by just how, how much I've fallen in love with you, Jaja. <laughs> oh. 
I love you too, Esther. Yes. <laughs> have you ever had like what they call in the business eye sex with someone? Oh, I have. Um, it was it was on a date last year. Last year, yeah. There was some. It was over a plate of Italian food and a couple bottles of wine, and there was um, some very intense eye sex going on. Yeah. I don't know how you protect like from a sexual health perspective, like you protect yeah. yourself. It's a very and, safe form right. of sex. It's a very <laughs> safe form of sex. It's it's very safe. Worry about it. And we can really advocate for that in lockdown. <laughs> yes, we can. We can. <laughs> and what about for yourself? Okay, you're gonna think I'm weird when I say this, but one of my no, favorite I won't. Body, one of my favorite body parts is actually my clavicles. My oh, <laughs> clavicle! So I think I have that. really great clavicles. I really like my collarbones. I'm so glad <laughs> that body part is getting some bloody air time. Yeah. yeah, don't forget the collarbones, guys. Yeah. No, never. Well, now we shan't. But this episode should be on the bloody clavicle. <laughs> uh, okay, over to you, Frankie. So, on other people, I would say something that rhymes with eyes thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a children's TV presenter then. Yeah, I love a big old thigh, like on a man really? or a woman. I think it's just like something nice. It's like strong, it's sturdy, they're powerful. Mm. Femur's a big old bone. What's yeah. not to love? Yeah. Um, yeah they've got, you know, shape, muscle. I think I think thighs are great. It was the first thing I noticed about my partner and uh, still going strong. <laughs> <laughs> have some have sense in the face, obviously. Um, and then on myself, so I quite like my hands and my arms. One of my best friends, Halima, sometimes calls me T-Rex because I've got very <laughs> elegant, gentle little, t- little arms. Everything else is big. So, <laughs> I've never noticed your elegant hands. But looking at them now on Zoom, yeah. they're very... Dainty little up. hands. They're dainty. Yeah. They are very dainty. I don't know how, but they've just, yeah, they've just seemed to come out pretty um hand model-esque if I say so myself <laughs> you may absolutely <laughs> just focus on the hand and what oh, about you Esther we got to hear from you now yeah, absolutely. oh okay yes yeah, um so I would say um on other people uh big fan of the of I was gonna say the elbow but that's just because it's an underdog it never gets said but I don't really think I focus on the elbow much do you like a good what's the top bit of the arm called you mean the shoulder or just like <laughs> The shoulder. <laughs> it, it might be the shoulder that I'm using. Yeah, or you mean yeah. this specific, you mean like just off? below the shoulder. Yeah, just below the shoulder is nice. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> that, little, that, little, that little bit there, lovely. Yeah, really nice. And the t-shirt just cuts there. Oh, right. divine. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. really nice. And then, on, I don't know, on the, oh, weird question. I'd say like, as feet go, I, I don't think mine are like real, like, what? they're okay. You know, like I don't mind putting them in a flip-flop. I don't mind. <laughs> But I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I love my feet. You know what I mean? But mm. they're okay. I think I'm just pleased that they're not um, Hobbit feet. <laughs> I'm pleased with God. Yeah. But um, moving on to the big V, the vagina, the vagina, the vagina. <laughs> um, so as we were talking about before, there's a lot of mystery surrounding this body part, and it's got a trillion names. You know, we've got the vajayjay downstairs. Puss in Boots, um, there's a trillion. And I was saying to these guys earlier, um, for listeners, that in year 10, my science teacher asked me and all the girls in the class to go around the room and each just shout the word vagina. 
um, I think it was sort of like a own it, so say it, which was quite good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But what was probably, there were still a lot of questions, maybe a few concerns and a lot of gaps in the knowledge. And I think the questions range from being quite kind of mystical, mythical to actually just really practical ones. And definitely one particular area being um, discharge. So we're going to play a bit of a game called In Charge of Your Discharge. And if I had a cowbell, I'd ding it now. But I think this is an area that is, it's so, it's just such a common thing um, to experience it. But many questions about what's normal, what's not, what it all means. So, um, so Frankie and Jar Jar, In Charge of Your Discharge, what is discharge? Why do we have it? So... The vagina, the big V, as you <laughs> is um is actually self-cleaning. So, you know, the same as you kind of, you lose skin cells and you lose like, you know, from your skin, you've obviously got cells inside the vagina. And as long as nothing irritates it or is there that shouldn't be really, then it kind of keeps a natural balance there and um, cleans itself, which is pretty impressive and very efficient, um, much like a woman. Um, so yeah, it basically... <laughs> does that and the result of that is discharge and discharge is completely normal in general of course there can be abnormal causes of it but in general the self-cleaning discharge is a completely normal process it's a healthy process it can change over the um over the month over like with your periods you might, might notice that sometimes it's a bit thicker sometimes you don't have any at all sometimes it's a little bit more watery um, but it just tends to follow a pattern. Um, so don't be surprised to see it there, basically. Well, that is good to know because, you know, they just don't, they just don't tell you that at school. Suddenly you're like, what's this? What's, what's going on? Yeah. Is it, you know, what's, what's happening? Is it, is it all right? Yeah. Um, I, I just like to add to that as well. Um, I think it's, it's important to, you know, surprise, surprise, I don't have a vagina, but I do have lots of patients <laughs> who do have a vagina and have come and I've spoken with them and I, I'm really kind of surprised by how few people pay attention to their discharge and see how it changes throughout the month, as Frankie was saying. Um, take some time to kind of be familiar with how your body operates. You know, what is your normal discharge? It will be different for every woman. You know, it will be different for every female. And that's really the first step in knowing when something might be amiss, you know, and when when you might develop abnormal discharge or something that really shouldn't be there. So I just encourage you to take the time to, you know, bond, get to know your vagina, get to know the discharge um, so that you can really flag up um, when something might be um, off kilter. And then we can go from there and um, help you, you know, restore it back to its normal healthy state. Such a good point, because if it's all just a bit, un if it all seems unusual, then you can't know when something's off. So, um, as we said before, it's good to know your own, good to know your own body in general. So you can be the one to sort of gauge if something's a bit not right. But great to know that a lot of the time it, it is okay and just and it's doing some cleaning for itself, which is great. I'm so proud of my badge. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now on to in charge of your discharge. So that's <laughs> quick jingle. Um, so <laughs> what we're going to do for in charge of your discharge is. Um, I'm going to say what are the description of three types of discharge and our sex experts are going to guess slash I, don't, I think they know um, what those what the discharge is. So we're going to match the description with the discharge. I know you're excited, so am I. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so round one. Cottage cheese. So that would definitely be thrush, um, which can cause 
um, kind of like a, a white clumpy discharge that looks like cottage cheese. Um, it can also be accompanied by kind of like an itchiness or a soreness um, that could be either inside the vagina or outside the vagina. It's caused by a fungal infection. And it's not necessarily, the important thing to know is that it's not necessarily an STI. Actually, you know, you have these fungal spores um, in different areas of your body, under your armpits, um, around the vagina, and in skin folds of your body. And sometimes when there's an imbalance in the body, it can um, cause an overgrowth of these fungal spores, and then you get an infection. So that's what thrush is. So to debunk the myth that thrush is anything to do with a bird? Nope. Not a bird, not a bird, just fungus, just some right. fungus spores, yes. And that fungus has nothing to do with mushrooms. No, no, you're not going to be growing mushrooms. <laughs> I'm just asking the questions yeah. <laughs> that the listeners are obviously asking themselves. <laughs> obviously. Okay, anything you wanted to add, Frankie, to cottage cheese, also known as thrush? I think Jarja's covered pretty much everything. I would say just, yeah, be aware it's very, very, very common the majority of women have of women have thrush at least once and yeah it's not necessarily anything to do with sex so it can be passed on by like from sexual partners but that's not really the most common way it's normally just as he says it's just on your skin um i suppose it's quite a severe um infection of thrush it can cause quite a lot of soreness and a few cracks in the skin so be careful and definitely don't put any extra irritants on it um, you can get home test kits to test for it. But if there's anything you're worried about, definitely come in and see us in the clinic. Does like airing it out help? Is that a thing? So it actually, basically, one of the things that we always, always say to people, and I should have said that, is don't wear very like tight fitting yeah. sweaty clothes. So okay. sometimes people notice if they're going to the gym a lot and they're kind of wearing, you know, the classic lycra. Um, and it's oh, like yeah. not really getting very much to breathe, then it then basically the it can give a very nice, warm, moist environment for these fungal spores to have a great old time there um, oh, and cause infection. So yeah, so definitely wearing loose fitting cotton underwear and outer clothes is kind of the, the guidance that we're told. <laughs> and it's something that we can treat quite easily. You can get, you know, kits in um, pharmacies or definitely come and see us and we can do some swabs and confirm things. It's normally caused by like a, a fungal yeast called mm. Candida, which I just think sounds like a real sassy name. It does. Um, oh, but yeah, and, it's, and like I say, it's very common, common, more common in women than men, but it's, you know, can be on both. And certainly if there's anything that's putting a little bit of pressure on your immune system, that can give you a high risk. So for example, if you've taken um, some steroids, if you're diabetic, if you, um, uh, what was I going to say, have had antibiotics recently, it can just change the, the kind of natural flora, which means like the natural kind of system there. And um, you, you're quite high risk to get a bit of thrush there. But it's something we can sort out. Okay. Thanks, guys. Look out for Candida. Candida? Candida. Yeah, Candida. Great. I think Candida is a girl's name. <laughs> Honestly, I think it is. Yeah, um, yeah. I love it. Well, Chlamydia is gorgeous. Chlamydia is gorgeous name. <laughs> Um, so moving on to round two of in charge of your discharge. Um, so round two is thin grey fishy smell. Um, so that one, I'll take that one. That one's um, bacterial vaginosis, um, which is basically a super, super common cause of changes in your vaginal discharge. What it is in itself is basically there's these wonderful little guys, little bacteria inside your vagina called lactobacilli. 
Um, they are your friends and they are like Aww. normal bacteria who are meant to be there. They're doing their thing. You know, we're saying that the vagina is self-cleaning. They're the ones that do the cleaning and they basically kind of look after everything in there, make sure it's happy and healthy and all is good in the world. Um, and then your, your, your normal discharge comes out as a result of them doing their job. Now, um, they are, as well as being good workers, slightly picky um, and can only kind of survive and thrive in a pH, you know, so if you think about your acids and alkalis, they prefer a pH of less than 4.5. And that's just how they like it, that's how they roll. If you put anything inside your body, and what I mean by that is more kind of things like, you know, feminine washes, um, like sometimes moisturizers, um, things going inside, you know, sometimes people wash inside with shower gels, that kind of thing. Um, then that really, really changes the pH inside your vagina and the lactobacilli have a terrible time, which is an awful way to reward them for all their hard work. Um, and so they cannot work very well in that. In fact, they pretty much die and you need to remember yes. that. So yes. in there that are not fun things. Um, and then if that happens, then other bacteria that are kind of going to be there in low levels, um, which I think have got very sassy names, so Gardnerella, Prevotella, Mabinculus, they're like a nasty little clique. They take over <laughs> and then they, they change your vaginal discharge and, you know, undo all of that wonderful work the lactobacilli have been doing um, and cause this change in your discharge. So that causes this thin, fishy kind of smelling discharge, which a lot of people can get really insecure and worried about, especially if you, if you know, hoping to have a full active sex life. People, you know, it's a very common thing to happen. Um, and, but people get really, really insecure about it and really worried about the smell. It's kind of, yeah, so it's more common in people who are doing douching, like I say, putting products in. Sometimes if you're just getting really sweaty in the gym, a little bit of sweat can go and disturb the pH process as well. Um, and more common in smokers as well. And also if you have any other infections that are stopping the lactobacilli doing the work. Hard workers, but very sensitive. Um, I always kind of say to patients, like as regards washing, Think of it like your face. So anything, you might use a face wash on your face, on the skin on the outside, but the skin kind of inside your lip, you wouldn't put, you know, your Neutrogena on that, would you? So don't put that on your downstairs lips on the inside as well or above. Just keep it on the skin that looks kind of like your face skin. And then I think you're not going to go wrong there. So that's it, really. So anything to protect the lactobacilli, really. We all need to protect them and we need to make sure that they are being acknowledged they should have pay rise they do it all for free <laughs> can agree more what what a wonderful bunch i want to go yeah. on a night out with them as well because i like you know and i have been known to say feminine hygiene washes are from the devil maybe that's slightly dramatic but <laughs> do not use them and and for people who are using them if you if you're like oh gosh i want to save the lactobacilli when you stop always using, sometimes it feels like um a bit unnatural like oh i need it to feel clean i don't feel clean your body takes a little while and then it gets into kilter and those lactobacilli thrive and then they start cleaning everything and you will feel clean again, okay? It's completely natural and normal. Let them do their thing. Um, and then, you know, if you clean it too much and people who are over cleaning, you're actually making more discharge and more problems for yourself because it lets that cliquey, nasty bacteria no. take it and do bad things. Get them out. Yeah. No nasty cliques in my... No Gretchen Wieners, honestly. In our vaginas. Get them out, and that's it. It's just great to know that there's this army in there doing such great work, but going so unrecognised. <laughs> you know. Um, okay. Well, that's really sh that's shed further light. Thank you so much.
for a wonderful round two. Moving, moving swiftly on to third and final round of In Charge of Your Discharge. Three of those, because it's the third round. So finally, the third round is Frothy and Yellowy Green. I will take that one, Esther, and Thank I you. will say Trichomonas marginalis, otherwise known as TB for 500, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, wow. tr Trichomonas marginalis, otherwise, is known, otherwise known as TB. Now, of the ones we just talked about, this is actually a sexually transmitted infection, unlike the other two, BV and thrush. Um, and this uh, is caused by a little parasite. It's actually quite cute when you look at it under a microscope, it has a little tail and everything. Aww. But it is, uh, it, it can cause this um, frothy green discharge in women. Um, it can cause some irritation as well. And despite its name having vaginalis in it, it can also cause symptoms in men. Oh. Um, so it can cause a bit of discomfort when you pass urine, burning sting when you pass urine, or even when you um, uh, ejaculate. So uh, it could also be passed by toys. That's an important thing. Other than being uh, passed through sex, if you have a toy that you're sharing or using um, with other partners and that little parasite's living on the toy, you can pass it to, your, to another person by sharing that toy. So please clean your toys, um, you know, as per the manufacturer guidance. Um, but if you do end up getting these symptoms, you can always come into the clinic. We'll do a little bit of a swab, look under a microscope, We'll see the little trichomonas under the microscope and we'll prescribe you the appropriate antibiotics to get it treated. But it is important that you do um, come in and see us if you have the symptoms because it does require treatment. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Don't feel the wrath of the froth. <laughs> the wrath of the froth, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much. And I guess just, just very quickly, I mean, is there such a thing as normal discharge? If so, what would it look like? So normal discharge, is, as um, we mentioned before, it kind of tends to be either colourless or a bit kind of whitey, creamy coloured. Okay. And you know, as we were saying, kind of changes throughout the cycle. So sometimes it can be a bit thicker. Um, sometimes it's just a bit watery. Sometimes you might not notice any at all, um, but it completely changes throughout your menstrual cycle. So exactly as Jaja said, kind of get to know your discharge, you know, it's there, it's in your pants. So yeah, it's hard to not see it. And then Can't avoid um, it. Yeah. And then you'll kind of be a bit more aware of if something's a bit different, if something's a bit more abnormal. Uh, yeah, as we've been saying, it, it's it's really important to to keep tabs on what your own discharge looks like, what your normal discharge look like looks like. But I think it's just important to to note that sometimes, you know, most of the time with an STI, you might not have any new signs or symptoms that are very obvious. So even if everything is normal and you're having your normal discharge, certain sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia might still be there. So if you're having unprotected sex, you know, particularly with um, new partners or multiple partners, um, it's important to, you know, still get tested regularly. Great. Well, I think, I mean, for, for listeners, thanks for, thanks for stay, staying with us through In Charge of Your Discharge. I think, you know, it's safe to say that, you know, was I in charge of my discharge? This game would say no. I wouldn't say I really knew what normal versus not normal might look or feel like. And also just, you know, like, I think sometimes I like can be led by what I see in Boots or Superdrug or somewhere like that in terms, you know, and actually from what you're saying, there's so much information, which is just, it's just helpful to know and and that knowledge is just is quite comforting to have so thanks um don't think i've ever said discharge as many times in my life but um all for a good cause 
So um, we talked about kind of how the, how, how the vagina is kind of like doing its thing and enabling it to do so. So therefore, we could all agree a healthy vagina is a happy vagina. And health is also about well-being and pleasure, isn't it? You know, it's not just about kind of practical side of things and, and the physiological side. So I guess it'd be interesting to discuss what some of the obstacles are to pleasure when it comes to the vagina. So I guess there's a couple of points to bring up um, around kind of vaginal pleasure and some things that um, people might face, you know, that might might make it difficult for them to, to achieve pleasure vaginally. And certainly one of the things that we do see in the clinic is um, a condition called vaginismus, um, which is basically when your body without really consciously making it do so, the muscles around the vagina and around the pelvic floor kind of tighten up and make it difficult to have anything inserted into the vagina, really. And that could even be anything from things like a finger, a tampon, or, you know, a penis. And we see women in clinic who are really kind of upset and distraught at this and kind of have gone on thinking it's normal, especially, Mm. you know, if if it's something that they haven't talked about with their either friends or with their doctor before. Um, and then coming in wondering why they can't have sex or why it, why it's so painful and terrible for them to put in a tampon, you know, um, and thinking it's just them. But, you know, some, I think it's important to raise awareness that sometimes, you know, it, it is abnormal, you know, it, it just, it's not necessarily normal to, to have that discomfort and pain when you're doing those things, either having sex or putting in a tampon or even masturbating. And the, the reasons behind it are usually... Um, closely tied to someone's kind of psychological state of mind and, and their, their social, you know, maybe their psychosocial circumstances. Um, and so it's important you do to come to talk to us in clinic because we can help talk to you through those things. Sometimes people might need some talking therapy around it. Sometimes there's other practical things that we can do around it, like using dilators. So that's using things that we can insert the vagina, like starting off as a really small like size and then increasing in size. So kind of getting your body used to that 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 um, process of having oh. something there, but I just would really like to bring that up because that's one of one of the barriers that I I, I often see um, in clinic that women come in with. It must be very distressing to realise that that is something that you're that you are experiencing and that isn't that there's something wrong there, um, especially if you've been sort of just kind of dealing with it for a certain period of time. Is it something that? Um, can develop later on and just sort of appear um, after you know a period of time where that's not it's not an issue or is it something that generally kind of people will always have had? Um, I've seen both cases um, um, in the clinic before. So people who have gone through you know so they've never been able to put a tampon in or it's always been uncomfortable, but it can certainly develop you know later on in life and there might be some psychological you know it can even after something like traumatic or not necessarily like so so traumatic such as assault or not even to that level but maybe perhaps a, tra- a traumatic experience a physically traumatic experience you know your body can can start to react in that way so that you subconsciously it tightens up as a protective me- mechanism if you think of it that way so certainly it can it can be in both cases frankie um did you have anything else you want to add no absolutely i think that that's all really valid points and the you know there are there are things that can be done about it and there's lots of people that are suffering in silence um just trying to have you know intercourse or put tampon in or have any kind of pleasure there and are really really suffering and there's a very like a linked 
slightly linked condition called vulvodynia, which is basically vulvas, the outside kind of what you can see in the genitals. And it means that even kind of light touch, even like any kind of like, yeah, any kind of application of touch and definitely including um, penetrative sex, fingers, tampons, etc., can be, you know, excruciating pain. I would say, you know, if you, if you are someone that you think that this kind of resonates with and that's something that's um, happening with you, then definitely come and see us in a sexual health clinic. You can get referrals onto kind of complex pain clinics. And this is a real, it is real, real pain. And it really needs to be addressed so that someone can have a better quality of life. There's also support groups out there. So I know one of the bigger ones is, is um, a society called the Volvo Pain Society. They've got some mm-hmm. very useful information on there. So you can kind of maybe get to grips with what kind of vulval pain condition you have and what's the next best best thing to seek help. Um, But there's also information on the NHS website. And like I say, come and have a chat with us and we can examine you. And one, make sure that there's nothing anatomically different with the vagina to cause the pain. Because there are things that cause vaginal pain. So we definitely need to rule those out first. Um, and then secondary, you know, if, you know, if we've definitely ruled out that there was nothing physical that we can see and help with, then we would definitely need to, you know, come at it from the different approach of the complex pain point of view, um, and give you some assistance and some help from there. Absolutely. I guess also I was, I was thinking that, um, when it comes to you guys, if, if someone comes to see you and presents you with this, are they sort of, are they presenting symptoms or are they coming in thinking I might have vulvodynia or vaginismus so you know like what kind of level of awareness do you think there is on but on both of those i think that sometimes people think they have an infection um so certainly like you know there's some things with thrush for example which we've talked about earlier you can have a lot of irritation sex can be very very painful and you know sometimes people can actually get you know vulval pain syndromes um which result from having recurrent thrush infections and so mm. people associate having sex at that bad at that time with the thrush has led to an experience of of pain having sex for example um and then that can actually last for some time after if they've been affected very 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 severely so I think some people think it's an infection. Some people say, well, I've always been like this. And then, you know, maybe they've had the first experience of trying to put a tampon and was very uncomfortable. And then they associate um, any kind of further tampon insertions with pain. And, you know, instead of having that help early on with lubrication and sometimes vaginal dilators and some support, then they've kind of carried on. And it kind of then makes that feedback loop that any time that something goes in their vagina, they experience really terrible pain which must be really difficult in, in terms of yeah even just thinking about like you know the menstrual cycle that's going to keep on coming so yeah. it's it's also just in terms of like your own agency over how you manage your own cycle and things like that and it just has clearly has such an impact in so many different facets of someone's life so um I think it's really good to yeah just be aware that that is that is something that could be that could be going on um, and that it's something that you can have a conversation about and get support on. Um, I guess it's um, another kind of lens on pleasure. I guess there's been a kind of, you know, I don't know if you've heard of, or listeners have heard of OMG Yes, but it's um, a website that you can, it's, it's kind of a quite scientific approach to female pleasure, um, all based on research. Um, and there's kind of like videos of um, women exploring, exploring different techniques that can um, help with arousal and stimulation and stuff like that. So I guess that would not have existed a wee while ago. 
So what, um, I guess, what are your thoughts on how, on how that's changing, on how perceptions of pleasure is changing? Because we're seeing, we're seeing stuff like OMG Yes, which, you know, Emma Watson's being like, hello, great shout, where's this always been? So, um, you know, how is it changing and how do you think it might continue to change and what's, what's good about that? I think it's, it's really great to have uh, those platforms to talk about female pleasure. And, you know, we were talking earlier, you said earlier that, you know, the vagina is often kind of shrouded in mystery. There's so many other names for it. Um, there's so many things, you know, kind of euphemisms for it. We don't really like to say that word out loud, you know, as a society. Mm. And I do think that that's been changing. And one thing that I do strongly believe in is that discourse shapes thought. So the way we talk about things, the language we use around things, shapes the way we think about things. And I think, you know, historically, you don't have to go very far to see how often, typically men, have the type of language that they've historically used or, or type of, you know, perceptions that they've had around the female body. And then, you know, especially because most of our societies have been patriarchal so we're look, we're looking for a male through male dominant societies and even talking about things around like the menstrual cycle and seeing that as something that's unclean and not to be talked about or mm -hmm. thinking of a vagina separately as something that gives birth and you know that that divide yeah. between what it becomes when it's a pleasure you know an object of pleasure for a person versus you know birthing which has kind of always been kind of pushed to the side so how we've talked about the anatomical functions of the vagina, you know? So I think over time, we've kind of realized that we can't, we can't not talk about it. And as we've grown, you know, and, and as women have, you know, stood up and voiced their, their place in society on equal footing as men, I think those conversations are starting to be had now. So mm -hmm. I think having that language and these ideas of talking about things like female orgasms, you know, and all these things that were kind of not talked about before, I think that will allow us to open up and kind of change the way we think about things as well. Vaginas are very, very powerful things and they are forced to be reckoned with. Um, they can do miraculous things. They can like, you know, stretch to infinite sizes yeah. they could do. There are more nerve endings on the clitoris than on the head of a willy, but people will talk about willies all the time. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, it's a very, powerful piece of equipment there and I think it can really really change quality of life if people um, find ways to gain their own pleasure with it and also just you know very simple measures of looking after it having a good relationship with your vagina and kind of just yeah knowing what's normal for you I think I always always say that basically I think men kind of as you kind of grow through teenage and into adult years get a bit of an idea of what they think a normal penis looks like. You kind of might have seen a few in the locker rooms or by the urinals. Women don't really tend to look at other vaginas unless it's kind of like if you're in a relationship with a woman. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to bend your neck a bit to kind of see what's going on there. You can't just see <laughs> a little glance. And I think a lot of women build up anxiety and don't really know what theirs looks like properly or what it should look like. Um, and then that can come with like a bit of anxiety about if there's any, you know, change in their discharge. They don't know if that's normal, if that's not, if there's a bit of an itch. Well, have I got an infection? Is that just a little bit of eczema? Like, you know, you need to know your body and you need to own it and the, you know, respect that vagina because it's a very, very important thing. Um, and I think people are having that conversation more and more and more. And I, I applaud kind of 
any platform where vagina owners feel empowered to talk about it and get to know about it. It's not just women, you know, lots of people have vaginas and they think that they should be feel comfortable and non-stigmatized to talk about it. Well, I, I, was, I was very interested to um, watch um, a Channel 4 documentary called 100 Vaginas, which some may have seen. But what was, what was so interesting about it was, you know, this photographer takes photo of, you know, 100 different vaginas. And um, at the end, you kind of see the see the effect, and they're quite, and, and also the the people whose photos have been taken, they see their kind of their own vagina quite close up and have that experience as well. I mean, when you see like everything laid out like that, you know, like rows and rows and rows and columns and columns and columns of different vaginas close up, it's like you know what? They're all very different. They're just very, 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 very different. I, and like in contrast to this. There's um, an art, uh, there was a survey done by Refinery29 and they surveyed over 3,000 of their female readers and half of the respondents said that they had concerns about the appearance of their vulva and 64% worried about the size, 60% worried about the shape, almost a third worried about the colour of their vulva. So I think we, you know, from that, the anxiety is there, but the reality is that difference is normal and so I think... Yeah, hopefully in this episode, we've kind of highlighted some areas where actually like brought that point home that um, they're, they're different um, and they're powerful um, and they clean themselves, uh, <laughs> which is an absolute bonus. But there's still, there is this mystery around them, maybe because they do so many things, maybe because, you know, one minute birth's happening um, and then all the, all the sexy stuff's inside, can't see that. But so there's a lot, there's a lot to be known, there's a lot to be understood but hopefully we're making, you know, by just having the conversation, um, people might know on a practical level what to look out for with their discharge. Just knowing your body, really, uh, which is what this podcast is all about. So um, I really, really hope that um, you've, you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you've got any, any questions uh, of anything we've covered, um, please do get in touch. Um, you can DM us at sexual transmissions or one word on Instagram, or you can email us at sxltransmissions at gmail.com um, and in terms of any sign any things any kind of points of information that have come up we'll make sure we put them um, on our social media so have a look there um, for any info thank you to our wonderful resident experts frankie and jar jar thank you esther thank you esther no thank you all i do is just learn um, <laughs> <laughs> um you are you are the wisdoms uh, so thank you thank you and um, yes we'll be back for another episode so stay tuned um, thanks for joining us um, until next time goodbye <laughs> <laughs>